welcome to the Feedback Force podcast, the game design and analysis podcast of the End Defender community. I'm Kelso. And I'm Kyla. And I'm Carl. And the cat is here. Fliffo's here. Yeah. Gosh. He's he's been like extra loud lately. So that's something I guess. <laughs> oh hi buddy. The kitty is just very excited about bartending. He yes. He's excited about any other game that has a cat in it. Fair enough. He he likes four. We we but we are not at the game talking stage yet. That's true. <laughs> Stop talking about the, gun. the game. Jumping the gun. Stop it, kitty. Stop talking about the game. <laughs> <laughs> so I just had lunch that was entirely homemade guacamole and chips and a single hard-boiled egg. Ah, oh, guacamole. I love guacamole so much. So I'm doing well. How are you guys? That sounds good. I'm alright. I, I went to Subway on my way home from work and I the the, the dude gave me a free bag of chips. So that just was cool. Your, just for your smiling face? I guess. I don't know. It was weird. <laughs> like, I wasn't expecting it. Just got an apropos of nothing. So, thanks, dude at Subway who doesn't listen to this podcast. <laughs> you're you're you a good tell dude. Him. Next time you get a Subway, like, hey, we mentioned you on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't think I've listener. ever seen that guy working there before. Like, I mean, I don't go there that often. It's just like occasionally coming home from work. And like, when I when the podcast is in the afternoon, I'll be like, I'm just gonna get a sandwich so I don't have to like cook or like make lunch. Oh. Yeah, Subway's good for the like. I re I really need cheap food and don't want to make an effort. Yeah, exactly. And it's like right on my way home from work, so. And it doesn't make you feel completely awful the way that a lot of other fast food does. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Gosh. Every once in a while, I'll forget, like, I, you know, I haven't eaten at McDonald's or Fat Burger or whatever in a while, and I'll forget, and I'll think, like, like you know, I use, I really like eating there once upon a time. Like, why haven't I eaten there in so long? Let me just, like, grab some fries or something. Um, and then I'll do that, and then I will remember why I stopped doing that. <laughs> like, oh, right, because I feel awful now. <laughs> right? It's like, I haven't... I haven't, like, been to a Chipotle in forever, but I know if I got Chipotle, I would just be like, how how do you eat something this big? Like, these <laughs> giant burritos. God, they're so good, though. Now I want Chipotle. I found, I found a new... I found a new... Because um, I've never actually been a huge fan of Chipotle. Maybe mm-hmm. it's that I'm a vegetarian, and, like, Perhaps. it's the meat quality of Chipotle that people like or something, but I've never been a huge fan of Chipotle. But I did just recently discover a new... Mexican chain restaurant, which unfortunately they don't have in Seattle. I found it when I was down in um, Vancouver, Washington. Mm-hmm. Um, called uh, Costa Vida. Ooh. Which is a lot like a Chipotle, except that what they do is they take, they first take like all your hot ingredients, so you get your tortilla with like your beans and your cheese and your meats and uh, um, like if you have any um like whatever it's sauteed vegetables or anything Mm -hmm. and they put that all together and they put like crazy delicious sauce and more cheese on top and then they put it through like a little heating thing 
so it's all melty Ooh. and like warm and delicious and yeah. then they put like the cold ingredients like the lettuce and the pico de gallo and sour cream and whatever like on the side and you have it that way and it's so much better it's so good oh that sounds good oh sounds nice <laughs> hi kitty i want them to open one up here so i can like eat that more regularly <laughs> yeah there was like back home i don't I don't know how far their reaches, but I know they were like back back home in Iowa. There's a a similar to Chipotle chain called Poncheros, uh, and their selling point was like we mix all your stuff before we put it in the burritos, so you don't get like big pockets of rice. And I'm like, that's a really small distinction. Yeah. But good for like you. Was, that was never a huge problem for me, but okay. Yeah, like, and that's that's their whole selling point. Like, they would have commercials. Just, like, two dudes, like, sitting in a break room at their office and be like, Oh, man, my burritos got, like, too much rice in the same spot. And then, like, smart, savvy lady with poncheros walks in and is like, I got my burrito at poncheros and I don't have to deal with that. Like, what is this commercial? <laughs> That sounds amazing. <laughs> I mean, yeah. that is an issue that can occur. It's true. It's an issue if if the person assembling your burrito doesn't know what the fuck they're doing. Yeah. Which is, like, true occasionally, but not often enough that I feel like it would justify an entire chain restaurant. Yeah. I don't know. I wouldn't whine about it either way. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, if I'm eating a burrito, I'm not going to complain. <laughs> I think, uh, the... I think they were probably just a chain that needed some differentiating factor, and that's what they came up with. Yeah, probably. <clears throat> so. I mean, it's the only, it's like the only thing that makes sense. I mean, there's not that many different things you can do with, like, standard Americanized Mexican food, right? Like, yeah, it's beans and cheese and, like, some kind of meat, and then lettuce, tomato, sour cream, guacamole, like... That's pretty much what you're getting, no matter what you're doing. <laughs> yeah. That's fine. I do like Mexican food. Coming coming from, like, my specific corner of the Midwest, and maybe other corners of the Midwest, but there, like, there's a significant Mexican population, like, where I grew up, so there's just always, like, really good Mexican food, <laughs> and I've been spoiled by it. I mean, I like when I make it at home. I just make like like bastard tacos with just like ground beef and taco seasoning. I'm like, this is not authentic, but I don't care. Bastard tacos sounds like potentially like a really good like home recipe for tacos. That's... I'm really gonna call them bastard tacos. <laughs> no, that's that's like what I call like, like something that's made with like alcohol in it somewhere <laughs> for some reason. That's that's like sort of my catch-all term for any any like ethnic food that I just make but in like sort of a cheap and lazy way like bastard curry I make sometimes which is like you know just like jarred curry seized like curry mix and like coconut milk and like whatever I want to put in it like there you go here's your curry like no effort or authenticity it's fine it tastes okay I'm not serving it to other people or more inspired by the cuisine than yeah. actually. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, fair enough. How are you doing, Carl? Yeah, I'm super stressed. 
Because I have a new course and it's killing me, but it's also like the most fun course I've ever had. Nice. Tell us about it. It's a course in rule system and game theory. Ooh. And we're making board games. Yes. Those courses are the best. I love that. That was like our intro course. And I'm going to have a lecture this Wednesday by the guy that made Els Heartbreak. Oh, cool. That's... You should tell him that we uh, we podcasted about his game. Yeah, <laughs> we'll we'll tell him to come on our podcast and we'll talk about that game again. Yeah, because I never end, I never did end up like actually beating it. I should yeah. do that. That's a, I mean, yeah, that's a good game, but I just never had time to finish. Uh, oh well, that's what happens. That's what happens when you play so many games. And we, man, we've played a lot of games. We have like played looking, a lot. Of looking at the list, it's, I'm, I'm impressed with us. <laughs> mm. I also caved in and bought the Switch. Uh Because you really wanted to play the new Zelda game, I assume. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it looks so good. And I kind of hate myself for it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, mm. like I. I could get one, but I, I don't know. I don't, I don't feel like it would be like a good use of my money right now when I would rather spend that money on like PC upgrades. And maybe I've said this already on the podcast. I know I've said it at some point to someone else. <laughs> um, this is like the conversation that comes up when someone asks if I'm going to get a Switch and I'm like, nope, and here's why. But man, that Zelda, that Zelda looks good. Well, what is the reason why? just the pc upgrades thing. oh yeah it's just you know that's just what i would probably get more use out of spending my money on so yeah i don't I just, play a lot of console games i'm i'm currently trying to save up enough money to like pay off one of my school loans yeah. so i'm like trying not to buy frivolous things um and if i was gonna buy a console i i think i would actually probably buy a ps4 because like i really want to play final fantasy 15 <laughs> And eventually, theoretically, Kingdom Hearts 3 might come out for the PS4. <laughs> yeah. And I don't know. And PS4 is, like, probably the best console to get, in yeah. my opinion. But I kind of also hate consoles. <laughs> yeah. I think they should, this, uh, is that like, why you disappear. hate yourself for getting a Switch? <laughs> yes. But it's also a mobile console. Yeah, so... There's no real reason for consoles to exist. It, it's... Yeah, I think the mobile reason is a thing. Like, the handhelds are have have a, a niche that I don't think anything else is serving very well. Yeah, I, I think it's cool because it, it seems like they're sort of trying to bring in more indie titles. Um, like, I know I know Shovel Knight, like the new the new Shovel Knight expansion, I think launched with Switch with the Switch as well. So, like, that's available. It's like cool. Now you can just play Shovel Knight wherever. Interesting. You know? That's a very un-Nintendo sort of move. Yeah, because <clears throat> um, I mean, I know, I know that's like, sort of. Well, maybe not necessarily, but I feel like the Vita was sort of doing the same thing, <clears throat> or maybe just Sony in general. I mean, that's not a great sign. Nobody bought the Vita. <laughs> <laughs> the Vita's great if you're into Japanese stuff, because like all of the visual novels and and like little Japanese mobile games that are only on the Vita and, like, nothing else, which is It's funny, because cool. I think, I feel like the Vita had a lot of potential, because it had, like, some interesting 
controls, right? Because it had that touch surface mm -hmm. uh, on the back, and it was like, <clears throat> I don't know. Like, I think it could have been great if it, my understanding is <coughs> like its main problem is it has zero battery life, so it's like not useful as a handheld console because you can't take it places. I think they just don't do a super, like Sony in general doesn't do a super good job of marketing their handhelds. That um, too. Like, because I know the PSP was really popular because it was easy to, easy to like, root. So you could just, <laughs> you could just put all of your pirated PSP games on it. Um, sort of like the original DS. Um, but I, I actually came really close to buying a Vita at one point a couple years ago too. But I just, I don't know, I didn't pull the trigger on it. <clears throat> Which is fine. I don't know if I ever played anything on a Vita outside of like maybe once or twice at Indiecade. Um, I, I did have a PSP though, briefly. Mm -hmm. uh, because almost entirely for like the one Kingdom Hearts game that was on PSP. Oh yeah. Uh, <laughs> and because the Kingdom Hearts franchise is fucking weird and releases <sighs> one unrelated game for every system. Yeah. Why do they do that? Um, and and they're all like important parts of yeah. the story. So yeah, yeah. yeah. <clears throat> that's probably yeah. the most infuriating thing about that series for me. <laughs> yeah. So um, so I got that, and I borrowed a friend's copy of um, whatever that Final Fantasy VII one is, Crisis Core. Oh yeah. Uh, which is like the the like prequel about Zack. Yeah. Uh, which. I did not finish. I played a lot of, and it got to a point where it was like, this is the end, and you play it, and it's like, that wasn't the end, and I'm like, screw you, and I stopped. Because it watched... was a Final Fantasy game. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I, I actually, I was watching someone stream that game, like, not, like, I don't know, it's been a few months, and I didn't, I didn't even get through, like, all of the, all of the VODs of the stream. I was like, I am... I'm it's, bored. <laughs> yeah, it's very convoluted and like not that well written. And it's it's like for people who are really like interested in the lore of FF7. Yeah, like and specifically I, that one. Yeah, and I like didn't finish FF7. I played it and then like got bored around the beginning of the third disc and stopped. Same. Yep. So yep. I'm not I was clearly not the target audience there. <laughs> like I've never finished any FF. FF, any Final Fantasy game, like, I've tried. I've tried so many times. I think I've tried, I've tried to play 7, 8, 9, 12, and, uh, 3, I guess, or 6, that, that one, the one that's both, and I've yeah. just, I've just never, like, never had the patience to get through because they're so long they're so long they are oh. they are very long i mean i, I i'm totally in the same boat because i've started playing a lot of them and they're all great i love the games but they're so long yeah <laughs> yep yeah i've finished most of the final fantasy games i've started i think the only ones that i've abandoned halfway through uh have been crisis core and um Final Fantasy Ten Two, oh. <laughs> which the, I had to stop because the dialogue was so goddamn vapid I couldn't stand it. <laughs> I liked those characters too when I played Final Fantasy Ten. Like Final Fantasy Ten is great and the characters are interesting and Yuna is like a, an interesting protagonist who has an arc and like is cool. And 
I, she was such a like ditzy little vapid girl in this game and I, I couldn't handle it with that and I stopped. Didn't they make her like an idol in, in Ten Two or something? Yeah, well she and three random friends, one of whom is, uh, two random friends, sorry, so three three of them total, one of whom is from Final Fantasy Ten and ones who of whom is original, yeah. are like a girl idol group but also treasure hunters. Oh boy. <laughs> uh, and they're on a search for Yuna's boyfriend. Yeah, that sounds um, amazing. I mean, it had potential. Like, I, I don't want to dismiss it. Like, the I want to be clear. The problem is not that it's like a girly theme. Like, they could have done something interesting with that. But they went the most vapid Charlie's Angels style as they possibly could. Like, the characters were just not interesting. Um... And I, that made me so sad because they were so interesting in Ten, uh, and the and the dress sphere system was actually really cool. Like as a mechanic, um, it was kind of like a more turn-based precursor to the paradigm system from um, FF13. Hmm. So the idea was that um, you would switch outfits to determine what like role you were in so you could like switch to your black mage outfit and then you had black mage abilities or you could switch to your white mage outfit and then you'd get white mage abilities and it like took a turn to switch um but the switching you couldn't just arbitrarily switch to any category there was like a little um like a little grid of uh like roles that connected to each other so you could only switch to something that was adjacent on the grid and everyone's grid was a different shape and so there was some strategy about like if I'm gonna like I need to be in this role now because I need to be able to pivot to either white mage or black mage at a moment's notice and that's gonna take a turn when I do it so like I, I you know I have to be ready um, it was it's an interesting system it's like it was conceptually very cool um, but it, it was not enough to make up for other things in the game that's fair that sounds like a system that's super interesting on paper, but really doesn't work well. <laughs> I, yeah, I don't think I got far enough into it to really say one way or the other, like, whether it was, like, fantastic or terrible. Um, but I liked it conceptually. I thought it was, like... That's one thing I actually really admire about the Final Fantasy series, is the way that they, like, continually iterate on their mechanics. Because they don't have to do that. It's a franchise, so, like, at this point, they could pretty much just coast on you know, Googles and, and name brand success. Yeah. <laughs> and they you know they'd be fine. But they don't do that. Like every game they try out something new mechanically to see like what works and what actually people are interested in and, and they make a lot of missteps. They do a lot of stuff that like doesn't work and doesn't feel good. Like I thought the license board in Final Fantasy twelve was the worst. <laughs> um <Yeah. clears throat> It's like a really, really uninteresting version of the sphere grid. Um, yeah, I... Oh god, I fucking hated that so much. <laughs> yeah. Because you could... Basically, you use one character to explore where everything is, and then you just, like, optimize everybody else. Mm -hmm. And, like, it's not, not that much in the way of, like, interesting decisions. Um, but, you know, like, they tried... They were trying something. They tried something new, and... They, you know, when it doesn't work, they roll it back, and when it does, they kind of, you know, iterate further on it. So I think that's really cool. Yeah, that's. I mean, that's like I'm surprised that 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 as much of that kind of thing happened as it did with um, Breath of the Wild too. Like, so when I think about Nintendo, 
and Nintendo's <laughs> franchises, I don't think about like huge overhauls in in gameplay, but like New Zelda's got like equipment that's not just your standard like here's your starter sword and now you have master sword because you got to a specific point in the story like you got a whole fucking inventory full of weapons you've got like spears and hammers and axes and stuff and like equipment and crafting like it's cool and i'm i'm uh, it looks it looks fun (laughs) so carl have you started playing it already or no i had an assignment due to (laughs) in 30 minutes oh you're so responsible Work so I played Valhalla all day. Nice. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, I, when you do, let us know what you what like how the voice acting is, because that's the thing I'm most worried about. Is that in the trailer, like the voice acting seemed like it was potentially going to be really awful, um, and so that I'm scared of that. But uh, curious though. <laughs> yeah. Also, I really don't like the the shaders that they're using in that game. I'm just gonna go ahead and say it. Everyone's like, oh, Breath of the Wild is so beautiful. And I'm like, yeah, but it's got that terrible cell shade over everything that's just harsh and painful to look at. The textures are fine, and the models are great, but it's just that bad, hard Uh, cell shading I don't like. I kind of like it. Well, I don't know. It's, It's very generic. Like, yeah. Uh, uh, like a modern generic-ish? Yeah. Uh, Zelda looks freaking awful. Um, <laughs> with her giant eyes. Um, but I don't know. I, I kind of... I'm okay with that cell shading, personally. Um, looking, at, looking at these screen caps I'm seeing now, like, it gives it sort of a... Like a storybook kind of feel. Which I'm okay with. Yeah, that's fair. I'm just not a fan. <laughs> yeah, that's okay. Yeah, no, I also think not that it's, it's better to play than to watch like pictures. Probably that's probably part of it too. I just I don't know. It's like so much of the lighting looks so like the environment lighting just looks really good. So <laughs> I, I think it's just kind of jarring to me that like there's this like beautiful these beautiful landscapes and the the lighting is like soft and varied depending on like the time of the day and where you are and then everyone's just got this line through, <laughs> line through them uh, how well. actually the more I look at this the more I agree with you <laughs> yeah it looks awful well I'll have to see it in action at some point hopefully I'll get some friends who'll who'll have it who I can like go to their house and like watch them play it yeah and I mean even if you don't there's plenty of people streaming it like Everybody, everybody's streaming it. Yeah. Yeah, I suppose I could do that. I don't know. I'm, I'm such a like. All my streaming is based on like the people streaming and the communities. Like, it feels weird for me to, like, think of like, oh, I'm just gonna drop in on this random stream because they're streaming this one game that I'm interested in. Is like a foreign concept to me. Oh well, yeah. It's. I mean, I like. I've got like like maybe two people who I'll watch or two or three people who I'll watch for like just whatever outside of the community so at least one of them is streaming uh Breath of the Wild and I he's he streamed like <laughs> a game came out like 2 days ago and I think he streamed like 
like 12 or 13 hours of it so far like oh, just geez. like these huge bl- five hour blocks and then like another three hour like good good for good for them good for him yep <laughs> good for good for people who have that game i hope they enjoy it i will probably not be one of them anytime soon unfortunately yeah. not, not that i have anything against the game it's just that like i would totally play it if i had a switch but i'm not going to get a switch so yeah, same same, same. All right. Well, speaking of all these games that aren't the podcast game that we played, <laughs> let's talk speaking about the game people. that we did play. Yeah. Um, we played Valhalla or uh, VA Eleven Hall A Cyberpunk. Yeah, I'm gonna call it VA Eleven Hall A. Yeah. I don't. I don't know. Something. Something feels wrong about calling it Valhalla. I don't know. If they spell it that way, I'm gonna call it that way. Yeah. Yeah. Um, cyberpunk just... bartender action, y'all. Yep. Uh, although I feel that action is something of a misnomer. Yes. Um, because it's really a Viznov. It is. Like, let's be honest here. Yeah. It's not an it's action. A lot game of things anyway. happening. Yep. A lot of a lot of events occur, but that's not. I would not normally associate that with the word action in in the context of games. Yeah, I'm I'm almost certain that. The subtitle is extremely tongue-in-cheek. Uh, at least the action part. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there was a uh, there was a mini game where you drink beer while you talk to your boss. Yeah, that's true. That was a thing. <laughs> uh, and a truth or dare mini game. Yeah, a thing. that too. Um. Yeah. So anyway, uh, so Valhalla <laughs> is a game uh, where you play as a bartender in a future more or less dystopia um yeah and you mix drinks for people who come in and tell you their stories and sometimes mixing one drink over another can make like certain interesting things happen in the story but most of the time it doesn't and most of the time you just try and make enough money to pay your rent and pay your bills and pay your bills and buy some stuff sometimes and uh and 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 talk to people and listen to their stories yeah, and have a, have a crush on your boss. Have, yes, such a crush on your As boss. Yes, you do. So it's kind of yeah, is there a novel cool. where you don't have a crush on your boss? Um, <laughs> let's see. That's the... true. That has been true of both visual yeah. novels we've played so far. I mean, I guess, I guess, in Hustle Cat, the crush is optional, but in this one, it is mandatory. So <laughs> yeah. I mean, to be fair, in this one, I get the impression that your boss is much closer to your own age, and like you have a much more friendly relationship rather than like a like boss underling relationship, like you do in Hustle Cat, which yeah. makes it a little more awkward. Although I don't know, ages. I feel like age can be difficult to parse sometimes with like these anime style characters. That's true. Because your boss in this game has quite a storied past. Um. And Jill is like twenty seven, I think. I feel like it would be it would be difficult to like <laughs> to cram that much history into a twenty seven year old. But hey, maybe not. Maybe I'm just boring and haven't yeah. lived haven't really lived my life. <laughs> uh, and who knows what ages of people are too in this fiction? Because there's all kinds of like people are robots or getting cybernetic enhancements or you know like so. There's all kinds of weird surgeries. One guy is literally a brain in a jar. So like, what even is age? 
at that point. One girl, one girl is a robot who looks like a 13-year-old child, but is actually like 20-something mentally, and refuses to reveal like what her actual age is in terms of like how long since her unit has been processed. Yep, it's. I mean, t- to their to their credit, I think visual novels really hinge on having interesting characters, and boy, does this game have them. This game has <laughs> a, lot of, a, a lot of interesting characters, which is good. Yeah, so, I mean, let's do let's do a rundown of them more or less. Since, like, I guess very quickly, the mechanics are you have a you have a sort of visual novel style click through dialogue, and then periodically people will ask for drinks. Um, and you can look up the drink in your little bartending book, and you have to like mix stuff to make drinks, and then give it to them. Um, most of the time, it's hard to screw up because the recipe is right there in front of you. Um, but sometimes, either your character gets distracted, or they like ask for something special that's like a little bit like they sort of imply what they want without actually asking for it, and you have mm-hmm. to guess. So, like occasionally, you can mess it up. Um, if you're not paying attention or if you're not sure what they want. Like, but that's basically the mechanics of the game. That's like, that's the whole thing. Like when frickin' Virgilio comes in and asks for 17. <sighs> I thought for sure it was going to be drink number 17 in the book. That was my interpretation of it. I think, I think for that one it doesn't actually matter. Uh, you have to give him a drink with 17 ingredients. Oh, okay. Well, I mean, that's, like, that's what I did, but I, I had, like, sort of read people saying that they didn't think it changed the outcome, but either way, I guess it doesn't matter. If you get matter. all of his weird drinks correct, I think you get the ending where he, like, opens he a curry opens stand. He opens a curry stand, and the ending is called Tim's Curry, or the achievement for it is called Tim's Curry. Yeah. So, there's that. <laughs> there's that. And there's an, there are occasional situational minigames for other things, like the aforementioned Truth or Dare, and there's like where your friend is, your boss comes over and you like talk to her. And then you, there's like a button where you can like drink your beer and then like pop open a new beer when that one's used up. And it doesn't do anything. It just makes your character animate like they're sipping their beer. Yep. But it's cute. I don't know. Uh, but anyway, those are the mechanics. The more interesting part is probably the character breakdown. Well, I guess I guess the other mechanic, I mean, do we want to like talk a little more in depth about the drink mixing and how it works? Um, sure, if you want to. Okay, I mean, it's it's pretty it's a pretty simple interface that takes up half of your screen at all times, um, where mm. you've got you've got your little recipe book that has like all the everything that anyone will ask for, and then you've got five ingredients, which are just like they're just made up things. Yeah, they're sort are... of they sound like different chemical yeah. names, except ones like Bronson something Bronson, Bronson extract. extract. <laughs> yeah. That's used to make things bitter and manly. <laughs> yeah. Yep. That's it. That's, which I I assume is a reference to like Charles Bronson. I don't. I'm not for sure. But this game has a lot of like little references like that. So I, yeah. I feel like it almost has to. So uh, all of the drinks are made up of, you know, three of this, two of this, four of this, one of this, two of this, and then you just like you drag them all to the little shaker, and then you mix it. Or if you let it mix for more than five seconds, then it's blended. Mm-hmm. Um, and oh, there's... yeah. Yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> the blender. <laughs> I hated it whenever I a blended drink came up. I got stuck at, like, the first drink that required you to blend. Oh. I didn't know how to blend. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, and then there's optional toggles for uh, if it's aged, which I don't know how do you age a drink immediately By like toggling. that. Yeah, yeah. yeah, you click the button, I guess. Um, and then there's another toggle for whether or not the drink is on the box. And that's that's it. That's all your drinks. Um, and one of the one of the um, one of the five ingredients is the alcohol content ingredient. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I keep wanting to say it's ketamine, but it's not ketamine. I ketamine is a cow tranquilizer. Yeah, I think it's <laughs> I think it's co- camo- camotrin, camotrin, something, something like, like that. Car- Carmatrine. Yeah, that's probably it. I think it's carmatrine. Um, so that's um, that's the alcohol content, and some drinks have it optional. So you can either make it like a non-alcoholic version or like a super alcoholic version because you can put in as much as you want. So you can use that to like sometimes get people like extra drunk mm-hmm. and things like that. Yep. I know you can do that, but I didn't. I never like saw an effect of that. There's at least one person that I I think you like. You need to give them something really alcoholic to get them drunk. Yes, I think Streaming Chan specifically requ- requests, like, get yeah. me wasted. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Worst case. Uh, yeah, I just, I just gave her, like, a, a drink with lots of... Yeah, lots what's, of the, what's the one? It's, um... It's the like one the, that's the crevice spike or something that's like one of the sugary ingredient and then like nine of the alcohol. <laughs> yeah, I think no, uh... th- that's a fringe. Weaver. Oh yeah, it's a fringe. Fringe weaver. weaver, yeah, yeah, yeah. And the, the description is it's like drinking ethyl alcohol with a spoonful of sugar in it. Mmm, sounds good. The, yeah, the descriptions of the drinks are kind of cute sometimes. Um, yeah. Also, so you can make them big by doubling every ingredient. Yeah, that yeah, too. That's true. And, sometimes... and you can't make every drink big because you can only make uh, you only have space for 20 ingredients so if there are more than 10 ingredients in the initial drink you cannot make a big version yes which I ran into and I was disappointed about yeah or like I think I think if you have to um, if you want to add optional carmatrine if you don't make the drink big you can't add like you like you can't make a I don't know like a blue fairy and just add like a billion Karmatrine until all 20 of your slots are full. It just gives you, like, a a null drink, which was disappointing. I think, well, you can't add... Can you add more than, like, 10 of any one ingredient anyway? Yeah, you can. Yeah. It, it, like, if you You do... You need nine for a French weaver. Yeah. Yeah, no, no, of of a single ingredient. Yeah, you you can. It, It basically, like, when you, when you drag one in, the little square lights up. And then it's it's like the the counter on the bottom yeah, where it maybe, lights maybe up I, and then I it fills in. One. It fills in the second time. Yeah. yeah okay. I did, I think I did see that once. Um, is there? Does that mean you could like theoretically make a drink that's like twenty of one ingredient? I mean, I don't think it would register as a drink. Well, but, obviously. Yeah. But yeah, like theoretically, if you just wanted to, I don't know, make a I don't know. Yeah, and you get paid for um, like. The, the cost of the drinks you make so it's like good to give people more expensive drinks mm-hmm. um, and you get like bonuses if you get perfect service and things like that and, and tips then... which I don't I don't I never quite figured out how tips are calculated yeah I don't know um, and then you can get uh, when you get home like in between the days there's like a little you're at home interface and you can like read news stories on your cell phone and you can buy stuff from the shop, which, like, makes it harder to pay your bills later, but it also means that, like, 
uh, Jill will be less distracted at work, so you get like uh, a little reminder of what people ordered, so you don't have to memorize it. I don't think I don't think I ever uh, went to a day distracted, so I never I, yeah, I never actually knew what that did. Basically, when there's that thing where you know when someone orders it, the like a little thing comes down where your drink book is. And uh, at the bottom it says, like, oh, they ordered a this and a this. Uh, if you're distracted, um, it will just say something random in that box. It'll be like, oh. um, you know, like, Jill was too busy thinking about this and, you know, like, didn't get it. Or it's like, she giggles about the word bartender or, you know, like, <laughs> she's like, I'm, I'm a bartender at a tender bar, hee hee hee, or something, you know, something like that. And it's like, so you basically just don't get a reminder of what was ordered. You have to keep it all memorized. That makes sense. Uh, Which is not that hard. Yeah. uh, But it's it's a little bit. It's you know it's comforting to have that little extra hint there. Yeah, I would I would probably screw up if I didn't have that. (laughs) Um, can you well can you still just can you still scroll up through the text like because you can you can scroll wheel through. Yeah, they turn Uh, off the scroll wheel during the drink ordering interface. Okay. So you can't check. Ugh, sneaky. Yeah. Very sneaky. Okay. Um. Well, do we want to talk about characters? Yeah. So, so you you meet a bunch of colorful characters over the course of your bartending. Um. <laughs> starting, I guess, starting with Jill, who's like your your player player character. Mm-hmm. Um. Who's a bartender? Who's just. I don't know. Like she's she's like taciturn. Um, and like hard to to rile up, but she's also uh, a little spacey, and like I don't know, very kind of pragmatic and a little cynical, kind of matter of fact. Yeah. And she's like, she's hung up on her ex, but also has a crush on her boss, kind yep. of. Yeah, um, she's she's not so much hung up on her ex, like wanting to get back together with her ex, so much as like she left. She and her ex parted on really bad terms, yeah. and like she really wants to apologize, but she's afraid to apologize. And like the arc plot is about the fact that she discovers that her ex is dead. Um, spoiler, and, like, <laughs> yeah, spoiler. Well, this podcast is always yeah. spoilers. You should know that by now. Yep. Um, she discovers that uh, that her old girlfriend died, and uh, like she never got a chance to apologize for being an ass. Um, and and so like it's her kind of trying to deal with that a little bit. Yeah, sort of like closing that chapter, I guess. Um, so let's see. Her coworker is a guy named Gil, who is oh. mysterious. Um, and he's like a cheerful dude. Yeah, he's but, like a uh, cheerful dude. But then it's like, oh, he was in the Hong Kong riots, however many years ago, and he just like sometimes disappears. Like, when, when things heat up, like, there's a part where there's a whole bunch of hostages in the bank and something about, like, the police force, which they're called White Knights, uh, and they're, like, being hunted down to the streets, and Gil's like, I gotta go! And they yeah. never explain, like, where he goes or what he does. It's just like, yeah, I mean, Gil does yeah, this. Yeah, he may be, like, it's, there's an implication at one point that he may have been, like, an arms dealer of some kind, I think. Yeah. Um, or, you know, like, it's it's really unclear what he did, but he has some kind of super shady past. And he's working on, like, a, a visa with somebody else's name, basically. Yeah. Like, the, the employee who's supposed to be working there with someone else entirely. And he but, died. Uh, yeah, Gil is just sort of pretending to be him. Yeah. Um, and then your boss is uh, 
a lady named Dana, Dana Zane. She has a robot arm. (laughs) Yeah, she has a robot arm in a past, and in her past, she was like a a professional wrestler. (laughs) Yep. The I think she was like the 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 burning red comet or something was her ring name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and yeah, and and Jill's got a crush on her. And she's just like super. She likes. Uh, she's the boss, but also sort of acts as the bouncer for the bar. Yeah. And is like super, just uh, like tough and cool. She is pretty, pretty cool. I would hang out with her. She likes hot, hot fried chicken. That comes up super a couple spicy. times. Yeah, she likes chicken so spicy that the restaurant she gets it from ran out of spices trying to make her order. Yep. Um. What else? There's a dog that works at the rest or at the restaurant at the bar um, for a yeah, while, like midway yeah. through. Yeah. Yeah, I think his um, name is Rad Shiva, and he wears Rad sunglasses. Shiva. Yeah. <laughs> That's not his name, but they call him Rad Shiva because he's a Shiva with sunglasses. Yep. Jill doesn't like dogs much. She's a little annoyed with uh, Rad Shiva. Well, Rad Shiva seems like a pretty crappy employee, <laughs> so. But Dana loves dogs. So yep. she's excited. Uh, if you play Rashiba, the... you stop coming after a while. I think so. I I feel like they maybe explained it, but maybe they didn't, and I just yeah. I, Jill's Jill's theory was that um, actually Dana just like donated to the foundation that the dog like came from, and was like having him work there as sort of a joke to like pay off the donation. <laughs> that makes sense. Or something like that. I mean, totally makes sense. Yeah, it makes enough sense, I guess. Um, and then you have a bunch of regulars at the bar. So there's uh, Dorothy, who's the robot who lives, who's, you know, her, like, model body is, like, modeled after a 12, 13-ish year old girl. But her mental age is, you know, 22 or something. And she is a prostitute. Yep. She's a very enthusiastic She prostitute. loves her job. She is super into it. I love it. I mean, to be fair, she's uh she's like um she's an android who was built to be a sex robot. So like, you know, she's happy because she's, you know, she feels like she's fulfilling her purpose and they they do go into a little bit of the kind of um not morality, but like philosophy of like what it means to be built for a particular purpose and how not all of the robots actually like want to do the thing that they were built for and so some of them like go off and do something else and someone compares it to like it's basically like being born with a particular talent towards something so you're like really good at that thing but that doesn't mean that you only have to do that thing yeah it just means that like if you do that thing there's a good chance you'll enjoy it because you're going to be good at it so but yeah. she she very much enjoys her job. Yep. Even though she apparently like she services a bunch of really weird people because she looks like she's underage. Yeah. So um but I mean even that she like there's like she tells a story about how when it's when it's mega Christmas she goes to she goes to the mall <laughs> Santa and like tries to seduce the mall Santas and she's like, yeah, I got a client that way. <laughs> like, yeah. like a regular. <laughs> like, okay. That's cool, I guess. Um, yep. and yeah, then... a lot of the stuff she says is kind of borderline, like, really creepy. But, yep. uh... 
But, you know, you know it's, it makes sense in, like, the context of their weird, like, semi-dystopian world. The world they live in, by the way, is, like, they are in this, like, shithole city where, yeah. like, all the cops are corrupt and all the government officials are corrupt and, like, there's tons of street violence all yeah. the time. Like, the government is basically just a, a puppet for, like, these huge corporate interests. The Zaibatsu Corp, I think, is what they're called. Um, yeah. So, yeah, it's it's it seems like a really shitty place to live. Yeah, I um, was I was actually kind of intrigued by how little they played up that angle. Yeah, because it's it's interesting that like they set it in this super like dystopian kind of city, and then the story is just about people getting on with their freaking daily lives and just being used to this kind of thing and not yeah. really giving a fuck about it. Yeah, it's kind of jarring, but interesting. It's, yeah, it's yeah but interesting... it's sort of the same way with like the whole bartending aspect. Yeah. Where it's like other people getting on with their shit, mm-hmm. yeah. and you're not actually doing anything as a bartender. Yeah, because I mean, if you're if you're a bartender, you're not gonna, you know, be out in the streets like doing turf wars with the rival gang. You're just gonna be serving your drinks, <laughs> you know. You're um, just getting on with shit, doing your job. And yeah. Like other people can deal with the shitty po- political situations and whatnot. Like you're not like Katniss, you know, like causing revolutions or anything it's just like no just gotta you know pay for my apartment and you know like try and make some friends and mm-hmm. try not to push away like people who are close to me that kind of thing yep exactly so i don't know i thought i thought it was kind of like it's it's jarring but it's like yeah this is cool like hearing the sort of like human stories that go on in a dystopia that aren't large-scale you know, we gotta stop the corporations! Ugh. Yeah. Yeah, there's, in fact, there's, like, a debate scene where, like, there's, like, one guy who's, like, super anti the corporations who comes in, and then another person who's just, like, super level-headed about it, like, yeah, no, I mean, they have a lot of problems, but, you know, like, this is also, like, a haven for these robots, because, like, we're, like, on the cutting edge of these experimental AIs, and they have more rights in this city than they do anywhere else. And, yeah. You know, like, being just super reasonable and kind of down-to-earth, pointing out the positives, and it's like, okay. Yeah, it's like, you know, there's, I guess you could you can debate anything if you're not a dick. <laughs> so, um, so the two characters involved in that debate, to segue it back to the characters, yeah. are, um... Virgilio, yeah, who's like Jesus Christ? Um, no, isn't it art that has that oh, conversation? Yeah, it is art. Art. I thought it was Virgilio and uh, and Stella. It's it's art and Stella. Is it? Yeah, which I mean, it's fine. Like art's probably the most unimportant and least memorable character in the game. Oh right, art is the the detective guy, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, oh, I totally, you're right, I totally forgot about him. Yeah. I must have mentally substituted Virgilio because he's more interesting. I would have, I would have forgotten, I would have gone along with it. Like, I would have forgotten that it was art if you hadn't said so, Carl, so good, good job. Um, yeah, okay, so art is the, is like a private detective who's like hired to do various things that are like, that you don't care that much about uh, throughout the game. Yeah. It's uh, hard to go into the story when they feel they need new characters. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think I think basically he's looking for the daughter of the king of a, a like nearby country that I, if I recall correctly, is called Kanyevania. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. And, and he's, is. yeah, which is, you know, okay. Yeah. Um, and he's like looking for the king's daughter and that's, it's, isn't she also a like a 
like a cyber terrorist of some kind or something? Maybe because when you first see him, he's looking crimson, crimson something or other. Yeah, because he's looking for. I think she's an assassin or something called yeah. the the Crimson Rose. And then there's another like Cobalt, Cobalt. Lily. Yeah, Cobalt Lily. Is and the then one. and then later he comes in and he talks about looking for this, you know, the daughter. And I don't know if they're supposed to be the same person or if or if she just has fallen in with these assassins or what it's just a completely different case that yeah. he has or yeah it's it can I feel like there's a lot of options for like arg stuff or not even arg stuff it might be even be explained but like they're all like looking for someone or talking about the third person yeah that could yeah. be connected to another person mm-hmm. and you know if you get all the endings you do find out that a lot of these characters are actually super related in ways that don't really come up in the main game and in other cases, sometimes you just sort of have to put the pieces together. Like, there's one guy who comes in, like, on the first or second day, and his name is uh, Ingram, and he's a dick. Mm-hmm. And, uh, like... He's nice. Uh, but also a dick. He's, you know, he's, he's one of those... Of yeah, he's kind of a dick. Um, and then, you know, you he doesn't come back for a long time. You don't really think anything of it. And then at one point Dorothy says, yeah, like this guy hired me to pretend to be his daughter, his dead daughter for a day. No, that's uh Dominic. I think that hired, uh, that hired mm-hmm. someone to be his dead daughter. Pretty sure the the guy who runs the paper. Oh, uh, Donovan. Donovan. Yes. That guy. I thought it was Ingram. Maybe it is. Donovan. No, I think Ingram, Ingram's like a, he's just like a guy who works, um, for, as like a gopher for a bunch of different companies, not a gopher, but like a like a miscellaneous do whatever guy. Hmm. I think he lost his daughter though. Are you sure that's not Donovan? I was pretty sure it's Donovan. I thought Donovan's hiring. I thought Donovan's stick was just that he's like sort of a chauvinist and and a grab assy motherfucker. Let let me look him up. So Donovan is the head of a, a paper. Um, uh, the augmented eye. Which is mostly eye. just like a gossip rag. I uh, feel like Ingram has a really, really fucked up backstory. Let me look up yeah. Ingram. On Ingram the Ingram's the one. Four four years before okay. the beginning of the game, his daughter died. Ever since okay. every year since then he's hired Dorothy to roleplay as his own daughter. For a day. Yeah. Man, I am not I am misremembering a lot of these stories. Clearly it did not sync <laughs> very well with me. That's alright. A lot of this stuff is like I don't know stuff that I probably wouldn't have for, wouldn't have remembered if I hadn't been on a second playthrough. Yeah. Um, yeah. So. so Ingram's so Ingram's the like asshole who like occasionally hires a a, a childlike robot to pretend to be his daughter, um, not in a sex way, by the way, just like to hang out for a day and like pretend his daughter is still alive. Yeah. Which is just kind of sad. Yeah. Um. So There's a lot that's... of dead daughters in this game. There are a lot of dead daughters. <laughs> I just realized. Yeah. Because uh, because Dorothy also has, like... The, the story is that the androids live with a human as their quote-unquote caretaker until they are mature enough to, you know, live independently. To pass a sentience test, basically. Yeah. Um, and Dorothy's caretaker also has a dead daughter. Mm-hmm. Which is Dorothy is like has a, some insecurity about how like maybe like her her quote unquote mom you know is like just using her as a replacement for this daughter that she lost and like doesn't see her uh, and sees the daughter instead. 
Which is kind of sad and interesting. They do a lot of actually really interesting cyberpunk world building mm-hmm. in this that I kind of wish they had done more of because that was like the most interesting parts for me for the most part. <laughs> like all this stuff about like the nanite augmentations and like the way the, you know, the, the androids work, the Lilim is what they're called. Mm-hmm. And cat boomers and the fact that, that people... That's- like the the really transparent excuse to give characters cat ears. Yeah, but the fact that they they gave it a reason, it's like, well, it's a genetic, it's a like voluntary genetic mutation that you know your parents can choose to give you, either a for cosmetic purposes because you want your kid to have cat ears, or b if they have you know terminal genetic illness, uh, nano machine rejection, and they'll die if you don't undergo yeah, the therapy it's like, a, it's like a side effect of this like gene therapy that you can do when uh like when the mother is pregnant um and you know that the kid would otherwise like have this horrible mutation where they reject nanomachines or whatever um but there was like a fad because the side effect makes you look like you have cat ears there was a a fad where people who didn't need it got the treatment just because, like, they thought it would be fun if their kid had cat ears. Yeah. Which, uh, Stella, who is another one of the regulars, is a cat boomer because of the nanomachine rejection. And there's a whole scene where she's like, I, my parents didn't just do this because it's a fad. I was going to die. And she gets, yeah. like, yeah, she doesn't really like defensive about it. Yeah, she doesn't like who did it for just, like, stupid reasons. Yeah, well, so... I'm, I'm just going to say, they, I think they did just enough, like, world-building stuff I wouldn't yeah. want more because no. they they tease me just like enough. Yeah, unless you fill interested. in the blanks. Yeah, I, I, I suppose. Um, I guess. Oh no, 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 I really don't like stories that like give a lot of world building. Generally, it's like playing Mass Effect, and every every time you interact with an object, you get a codex entry that's like twenty pages long. I don't want to read about all that. Like, I don't care. I guess I just I'm just a sucker for like interesting sci-fi like imponderables. Like mostly yeah. the stuff with the Lilim was what I was interested in. Yeah. But I think that was probably the cooler cooler things. Um so yeah, Stella's a cat boomer and she hangs out with uh a woman named Say who is a uh, a white knight which they're like robot they're not robots but they wear power armor and they're police sort of. Yep. And most of them are super, super most corrupt, of them are but corrupt. not Say. Say yeah. is real nice. And Say works for a specific, like, branch of the White Knights. She's a Valkyrie, and they're basically medics. Like, yeah. they, they, they come in with the EMTs and, you know, help fix yeah. people after bad, bad stuff happens. Yeah, so she's like a rescue worker rather than, like, a police enforcement group person. Mm-hmm. And her whole... Like, they, they're, you sort of take them as a pair, uh, Stella and Say, and their whole deal is that there's, like, a hostage situation at the bank with the White Knights, and I'm not entirely sure what happens. Like, their power armor all gets cut, and people start slaughtering them in the streets because they're so corrupt, and Say just disappears for a few days, and Stella's all worried, and then it turns yeah, out that... Sh- say is okay she just got real busted up because she jumped out a window yeah she was like trapped in the bank and like she led a bunch of the hostages to like on an escape or something and she ended Mm -hmm. up like jumping off a third story building like the top of a three story building or something 
um, into an alley. Mm-hmm. So she got kind of messed up. Um, and Stella is like from a really rich family. She's like the daughter of uh, some kind of. Um, I don't remember what like her parents do. Merchant person. I I I thought maybe. Um, like her dad worked for Zaibatsu and that's why she was like defending it so much but I'm, I don't know if they ever actually say yeah um, I don't know if they do either but she seems to be she's like the daughter of this pretty rich family um, and she uh, you know she just kind of wants to be like nice and helpful and and like a good person mm-hmm. but she's also very practical and realizes that like you know she is not a regular person and she has a lot of privilege and I don't know. She's kind of an interesting character. Yeah. And she she loves Christmas and she loves giving her like gifts to the children of her housekeeping staff and throws huge Christmas parties every every mega Christmas and loves it. Yep. And she's uh and she's um like very protective of Say mm-hmm. and like tries to make sure she's taken care of and like she doesn't cuz Say's a little ditzy. Yeah. And uh she like Stella like is much more grounded and tries to make sure that she's okay and like doesn't do anything stupid. Yeah, pretty much. So, uh, who else? Um, uh, we... I started to talk about Virgilio or Virgilio. Yeah, we can or, talk about where he decides he wants to pronounce his name yeah. that day. Um, <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, you can, you can, you can take that one. So he he is a guy. <laughs> Who comes in? He's got like a question mark on his forehead, I think. Yeah. And he just acts like, like a just complete space case. Like he gives you the his drink orders as riddles, and or like like really vague metaphors, and you have to try and figure out what the hell he's asking for. Like, let's and he see. Just... Um, one day he asked for seventeen, and you have to give him something with seventeen total ingredients. Another time he asks for something fake. And then he asks for something pure. Mm-hmm. So that's those are like the caliber of. And at one point he asks he he throws in they throw in a Simpsons reference. He asks for a uh, a single plum floating in perfume served in a man's hat. Oh yeah, which is a which is a reference to a Simpsons episode. Oh, is that what that is? I I figured that was probably something, but I didn't catch it. Yeah, I've never been a huge fan a, of the there's Simpsons. There's an episode with like a a Beatles. Uh, parody and like their their Yoko Ono equivalent orders that at the bar. Ah, uh, well, there like, you I go. Would like, I would like a single plum floating in perfume served in a man's hat. And, and, and like uh, Mo just like reaches under the counter and pulls it up like, here you go. And that's funny because in, in this it's just like an option under under the bottled drinks is a drink called yeah, the Fedora. Which I didn't notice until like after that, so I was like, "Ah, dang it!" I yeah, I I almost missed it. I I had like sort of clicked through the menus and been like, "What is this bottle set?" And I saw it in there. I happened to notice it and yeah, remember I'd, it. I had seen it. I just forgot that it was called Fedora. So yeah. I was like, "Oh right, I have a bottled drink," but I did not remember what it was called. Yeah. So um, so that's and eventually, like after talking to him for a while, you learned that like this this weird persona is actually an act that he puts on to throw people off from knowing that he's actually like kind of a clever savvy person mm-hmm. um, Did... but dang is it annoying while he does it yeah and actually and that after you get to know that fact he never shows up again and yeah. that, that actually all ties into his ending and it also ties into Stella and Say's story so if you talk to Say and ask her like what made you want to be a white knight you're way too nice for this and she 
sort of tells a story about how she and her friend, and her friend was Stella, she doesn't explicitly stay at that point, um, got attacked by a white knight. And then a different white knight came and saved them. And that's, like, the encounter where Stella loses her eye. Um, but the white knight that saved them was actually Virgilio. <laughs> and you don't really find this out until, like, the prologue, or I think you have to... It might not be the... Pro- the or not the, ep- the prologue, the epilogue. Um, mm-hmm. And it might not even be in the epilogue. It might just be, like, dialogue that gets thrown in, uh, like, after you meet the conditions to get his ending. So I'm assuming that he was acting like a dunce because there was a lot of heat on white knights. And even though Uh, I don't, even though I don't think he was one anymore at that point, um, but he didn't want to be targeted because it was, was he the like special white knight? Because there's like one white knight who still has like a working suit of armor because he hacked it. Um, Everybody else was still like under the control of the corporation. So when the corporation hit like the, like you know, brick all the <laughs> brick all the suits buttons. Yeah, everyone was pretty much fucked except this one guy. I don't. Uh, uh, that I don't. I don't know if that was Virgilio or not. They don't. They didn't. If it was, I didn't make the connection. But yeah, they leave a lot of stuff kind of open ended. Yeah. in this game, it's really? like a lot of stuff. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a lot of like little connections that you sort of have to. Which is yourself. Yeah, it's fine. Like, because you're a bartender. You're yeah. not like some god of the city. You don't know it all. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, let's see who else. Uh, there's, I guess we mentioned Donovan Dawson, who's yeah. the editor in chief of the Augmented Eye, and he's just a just a chauvinistic bastard. Um, yeah, he's supposed to be basically like J. Jonah Jameson yeah. from like Spider-Man. Which I'm surprised <laughs> they never threw in like a more explicit like. Get me pictures of that goddamn Kira Mickey or something like that. <laughs> yeah. Um, but that's fine. He always drinks beer. Yeah, he always drinks beer, and he's uh, he's like kind of an int- like a savvy business guy, uh, but in a way that's like kind of like annoying because it you know it, he he writes a trash paper. Yeah. But he can't. Like he's the he's the ultimate dick character. Yeah. There's nothing positive about it, and you know exactly what he's gonna say. It's gonna be something yeah. awful. And like that's the thing. It's like he writes this trash paper, but his hands are kind of tied because he mentions that like you can't criticize the Zaibatsu Corp, otherwise they'll they'll just buy your company up and shut you down. So he's like, yeah, that's why that's why my paper's so shit is because I can't. We can't afford to like write any good stories because then we'll just get bought out and shut up you know so yeah and he's he's always like bitching about like his investors and the the like board and how they're making him like write shitty clickbait stuff when he actually wants to do like you know he'd love to do real journalism but no they know best (laughs) yeah um you also briefly meet uh a woman named kim who initially is an intern for the augmented eye and then like quits her job and feels a lot better about it because she hates working there Yep. She's not very important. Um, who else? Who else? Uh, Jamie, who is the assassin, and he's got robot parts. And is a friend of Gills. And is a friend of Gills. I I wish, if there's one thing I wanted, I would have liked to see more of Jamie. Because he yeah. just kind of shows mean... up sometimes. Yeah, he seemed oh, like he could have potentially been super interesting. Yeah. But one of the most, like, rich regular customers is one of the most uninteresting characters yeah 
I feel like they could have done a lot more with him. Yeah, I mean, he's like, they give him he's nothing. like an interesting assassin character, but he's like rarely there. Like, he shows up for a little bit of a time at a time, like, hey, is Gil here? And then you're like, yep. And he's like, okay, see ya. And it's like... Which I guess makes makes sense internally, because it's said that, it's mentioned that he's friends with Gil, and he's not super close to Jill, but he's, you know, he's nice to Jill. Like, he's fine, but he's really friends with Gil. So... Yeah. Um, oh, I forgot about Alma. Alma, yeah. the hacker. Uh, uh, titty hacker, I think someone in the game calls her titty hacker. Is Does Dana, Dana. call her that? I think Dana calls, Dana, her that. Dana calls her that. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, Alma's... She has big boobs. She has big boobs and good hair, and she has robot hands so that she doesn't get carpal tunnel. Because um, she's a hacker. Yeah, and she's a hacker. She's a security expert. Yeah, uh, security, security consultant, and she's mm. friends with Jill, sort of, and most of her problems stem from, like, her shitty sister, who is <laughs> yeah. shitty, which isn't that interesting, but I, I don't know, I guess, like, she left her abusive husband and took the kids and moved back in with their parents, and... But then, like, abandoned the kids with her parents, and, yeah. like, just went sleeping around every night and, like, isn't taking responsibility for anything and then yeah. went back to her abusive husband. Yeah, and then there was a custody hearing and she missed the custody hearing or something. Or, no, she showed up yeah. late to the custody hearing. And drunk, I think. Late and drunk, and I think the and quote was... her kids. Yeah, yeah, that's what it was. She <laughs> forgot the kids. And I think, I think the quote was that Alma said was, like, she came in drunk and looking like she got fucked in the parking lot or something. Yeah. So... That's it. And I I think I think it's so there's also a story that sort of recurs about a hacker called Alice Rabbit that's just doing hacking things sort of in the world and I it's kind of implied that Alma is Alice Rabbit but yeah, cuz she hacks your station at one point and you see the Alice Rabbit logo flash up. Yeah. Um, so there's, like, a strong implication that she at least, like, if Alice Rabbit is a group, she, like, works with them, maybe, or yeah. she is Alice Rabbit or something. Yeah. Otherwise, I don't know, her story is not that interesting. A, you can get an epilogue where you, like, hang out and have a sleepover with her. Yep. Um, which I got, which sleepover. is one of the epilogues I got. Yeah. Well, Alma is straight. Alma's not interested in you. She says as much. I mean, I mean, more like it's not a sleepover more than you get kicked out. No, oh no, no, no. That's the bad ending. Oh. Um, that there's a the there's bad another ending. One. Is, yeah, if you don't pay, if you don't pay your rent, you get the bad ending where you stay, where you go stay with Alma. If there, but there is a good ending where you and Alma and the like. Um, uh, the Gabby, daughter, Gabby, the sister um, of of your yeah, ex. Sister. Yeah, your ex's younger sister who comes to, like, tell you that, that your ex is dead. Um, like, the three of you have a sleepover at Jill's place. Yeah. And, like, the, and she and she and Gabby are on either side of you, like, braiding your hair. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's kind cute. Of, like, silly and cute. I guess we could talk about Gabby. Um, Gabby is your ex's sister. She shows up, and she's pissed. She's so mad. Because she's like, ah... My sister had nanomachine rejection, and and the strain of you leaving her killed her, which isn't actually true. Um, yeah. So she's really mad, and then you have this letter from your ex, Lenore, that you were afraid to open. And so Gabby, like, writes you a note and has Gil deliver it, 
apologizing and saying, hey, can we meet up on New Year's just to talk and like hash through this? So you open the note together with her and it just says, sorry. And then, yeah. and then, and then you just kind of like, you reminisce about Lenore and you talk and you sort of like re rekindle your friendship with, with, with Gabby. And yeah. And you of... like agree to be sort of like a surrogate big sister for yeah. her. Like you used to be and, mm-hmm. you know, like make sure she does okay. And it's, it's pretty sweet. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a cute sort of, uh, it's, it's like the basic, the main plot of, um, like Jill's arc. And, like, as arcs go, like, that's an interesting character arc. Like, yeah. someone who's just sort of coming to terms with the fact that they had some unfinished business that could never be resolved and, you know, like, having to deal with it. Yeah. So, I was I was okay with that. Um, There's also Anna, the ghost. Yeah, Anna... Anna, Wait, the... Can someone explain what's up with her? It's... She... Isn't she the... She's the one that, like, Dorothy is replacing, right? She, like, was the daughter... Yeah, of, yeah. Uh, of Dorothy's like foster mom. Yeah, like it's it's heavily implied at least. Um, and they they mention her other times, not in that context, but as this this story about how like oh there was, she was this girl and she had nano machine rejection and she beat it and she was sort of like the poster child for like fighting nano machine rejection and then she got hit by a bus and that's what <laughs> yeah. killed her. Um, but yeah, they they don't really explained. She just kind of shows up in the game and she talks to Jill and is kind of inflammatory and a little bit, like, annoying and irksome um, and just sort of and tries no- to provoke Jill. Yeah, and, and nobody yeah. else can see her. Yeah. I mean, I heard that story, but I just assumed that it was Jill being crazy. Yeah, I have... Anyways. I have no idea. Um, and there... I, I kind of like it better that way. And yeah, I'm gonna keep assuming that. <laughs> There was a, there's an implication that like there was some people like believe that there was like some someone wrote a paper on the fact that like if you have like nano machines can persist after someone's death and they like mimic who the person was when they were alive because they're still like in that form but then like in the same conversation it's like debunked because they're like oh that could never happen because you'd have to have so many nano machines that like your blood would be too thick to pump yeah and like that's you know so i don't we don't know why she's a ghost and why she just shows up and only jill can see her because jill uh, anna keeps saying like other people could see me if they wanted to or something like that and dorothy like maybe almost hears her say something at the end Mm -hmm. but it's unclear why jill can see her and not like for instance dorothy who actually has a connection with her yeah one of the cosplayers could see her Oh, that's true. Yeah, there's there's a couple of cosplayers, cosplayers that that just show up at the bar once and you never see them again. And one of yeah, one of them can see. They, ca- they come looking for directions. One of them's. I think the one who can see her is a Lilim, isn't she? Um, let me see if yeah. I can find it. Norma. No, I it's think not it's... Norma. Yeah, it's yeah. One of them is a Lilim named uh, Essentia, and she's got green hair and and she can see Anna and, for whatever reason. And that's it. <laughs> like yeah, just the, a mysterious character. Yep, that doesn't have anything to do with anything. Um, I mean, there are a few other characters. I mean, I guess there's the cat. We could talk about the cat. Oh, four. Yep, you have a cat at home. His name is Four, and he talks. Maybe. Well, 
you talked I, I, for him. I think you like you yeah. imagine him saying things to you. Yeah, that makes sense. Because like when you go home, there's like dialogue, not dialogue necessarily well, like, per se, text, but it's dialogue text. Yeah. yeah. And and one of the participants in the dialogue text is four, but with the name in quotes. So oh, that's true. Like, like that. Dana talks about you talking for the cat. Oh, okay. I must have missed you, that. You you used to like ventriloquist. Uh, okay. Jeez, I totally didn't pick. I just I just thought that like the cat talked, but only to you, <laughs> which I guess would would be in line with the fact that you're the only person who can see Anna. I don't know. <laughs> okay. I mean, it wouldn't be weird because the dogs talk. That's true. The yeah. dogs do talk. Yep. <laughs> so. Mm. And they mentioned yeah. that the cat was shy. It's true. <laughs> yeah. They do mention that yeah, the cat's shy. Yeah, they imply that, um, or they, they talk about, like, the fact that, like, dogs have gotten more and more intelligent since, like, our day, and then someone invented, like, collars that can, like, interpret their thoughts into speech, and so now, like, dogs can talk. And so you get some dogs in your bar sometimes. Um, if, if you play the prologue, too... Yeah, I the, did. <laughs> the prologue is about how the bar gets rented out for the for a weekend by the uh, Safar Toy Company, which is a company run entirely by dogs, and they make specifically by corgis. Yeah, specifically by corgis, and and they're racist corgis. Nope. They don't like <laughs> any other breeds of dogs, and even the the Pembrokes and the Cardigan Welsh corgis don't really get along that well yeah. within the company. <laughs> which is, which is funny. Um, I guess. There's uh, Betty and Deal, who also work for the company. Oh, yeah. Um, Betty is the company's veterinarian, and Deal is just a, a Lilum who loves corgis. And so he yep. got a job doing things that require thumbs that the dogs can't do. Yep. Um, yeah, Sci-Fi to- Toy Company specifically makes dog toys. So it is like a company run by dogs for dogs. Yep. Um, I don't. I mean, there are a couple other characters that aren't super important, but we can talk about them. I guess. Do we want, do we want to just run through the rest of the rest I of them? I don't remember any other ones. There's so there's a, there's like streaming five. Chan. Oh, streaming Chan! Yeah, streaming Chan. I do remember streaming Chan. Who is? She's she's just a streamer. She she goes to places and she streams it and has yes. like some adult business on the side. Yeah, she's like a a twenty four hour permanent life like life live stream, where she's just live streaming everything she does, and the the like, if you pay for a premium subscription, then like it doesn't get blurred out when she like goes to the bathroom or has sex with people or things like that. Yeah, I think at one point she's even like, yeah, I started sleeping naked so that I could I could turn that into premium time. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> Um, and she comes into the bar and is like, I came to the shittiest bar I could find! Let's see what's here! And then she yeah. wants you to get her trashed. Um, well, first she wants you to take your top off. Yeah. And then she wants you to get her trashed. She's like, she's like clearly very, um, just like sort of crass, like lowest common denominator appealing to her fans. Sort of like, it's not exactly a very positive view of streamers. No, it is not. <laughs> uh, but I, I mean, I don't think it's done, like, it's not, like, really hostile, it's just, like, yeah. kind of eye-rolly and, yeah. yeah. Um, and she doesn't do a whole lot, she just shows up a couple times. Um, 
It's it's a like really unfortunately believable sort of future scenario. <laughs> yeah. That it's like, oh yeah, people one hundred percent live streaming their life and you know, like other people just you know, paying to like watch them go to the bathroom and like demanding that constantly in the chat. What when she's in the bar, like the messages from the theoretical chat oh, yeah. of her stream like flash up periodically across the yeah, they just, just like, constantly, like, scroll, and sometimes it's just, like, a burst of text. Yep. Um, there's, there's Mario, who is, like, the, the delivery boy who wears, uh, yeah. he wears He wears the a outfit jacket. of, uh, Kaneda from Akira, yeah, that's... and he drives a motorcycle, so, like, he's clearly designed as Kaneda from, from Akira. Yeah. <laughs> Except that he's, like, kind of, like girly and like concerned about how masculine he seems and yeah like he comes in and he's like i want a fluffy dream no wait make that a pile driver and she's like <laughs> well he asked for a fluffy dream so i guess so you know to to make him happy you just serve him girly drinks and reassure yep. him that it's okay that he likes girly drinks yep um and then okay. oh i'm forgetting kira mickey Ah, uh, yes. Who is, yes. Pop star. Yeah, who is a Lilim pop star, and she's basically just Hatsune Miku. Um, yep. And she shows up at the bar, like, she there's she has a couple concerts in town, so she shows up once, and she's like, yeah, they're doing soundcheck stuff, and my manager was pissing me off, or my producer was pissing me off, so I left. And she comes to the bar, and then she comes back later um, for, like, their encore concert. Uh, pursued by Donovan Dawson... Who's yeah. like being being a creep and wants to know if if her type of Lilim have nipples, um, um, and then if you if you do everything right in her story, you get she gives you tickets to her concert, which is cute. I mean, yeah. and you take uh, Stella. To I, say, I was right? so I was so pissed because she went to the bar and asked for something <laughs> tea with tea. Oh yeah, and I looked through it all. I couldn't find it. Then I went to the shop mm -hmm. before the next day, and you have to buy it before she gets there. Yeah, ah. that that one's really cheap, and that's that's why I got that one on the second playthrough because I did the same thing. There's a lot of like these little like oh, if you know about the secret thing and you serve the right drink to the right person, you can get the secret stuff. That's like really impossible to find without facking. Yeah, like Which... they. They imply a way to do a couple of the like extra endings when you beat the game. They're mm -hmm. like, oh, there's there's other endings. You know, one of them is if you don't do this, and one of them is if you do this. But they're they're still kind of vague, and they don't cover all of them. And it's it's just really hard to get any of those. Also, I'm not really interested in replaying a narrative focused game. Yeah. Yeah, it was like I. I really enjoyed it the first time, and the second time, like, I, I faxed some stuff, and I got the secret characters. Um, there's some secret characters that are from the game Read Only Memories, which, like, the developers aren't at all related as far as I know, but the games take place within the same canon. They like, must know each other. They must be... Yeah. The developers must be friends. Yeah, or something like that. But, like, one of the characters is like, oh, yeah, they're, they were friends with Dana back in the day. Um... And the other two, I don't know, they just kind of show up, and it's like a cute interaction. Um, yeah. 
But yeah, playing it through the second time was just like a lot of like clicking, clicking through the dialogue. Yeah. Like I, okay. Yeah. <laughs> like... So so here's that actually kind of leads me onto like one of my my thoughts about this game, which is that in most visual novels, um, there is you have a lot of you have control over the story, right? Like you're you have the choice of someone to date, so you're like. You know, you're making decisions that are based on who you want to date, or you know, like there's there's some branching narrative for yeah. which you you know you make choices within the um, the game, and that's really like the central interactive mechanism of visual novels is like you make choices to influence the narrative, and in this one you really don't. Nope. Like there are some there are a couple things you can do to like get extra scenes here and there, or get like an extra epilogue at the end. Um, but by and large, everything progresses exactly the same every time. And the it, instead, uh, they're like the interaction is that there's a little activity that you do periodically to like alleviate the boredom of reading. Yeah. Ah, and I don't know how I feel about that. Like I like the idea of having this little side activity, but I don't like being completely out of control of the narrative. Yeah, I, I mean, I I've agree. Read a lot of visual novels where. Uh, you don't really have control of the story. Yeah. So, I mean, it wasn't that big of a, like, concern for me. I guess, in, in like... those cases, though, do they, like, do they give you options for multiple endings, or is it just, like, you can play this once and you never have to play it again? I mean, I've seen both. Huh. And I kind of like the, like, you only play it once. Yeah. Because, like, but... like, I, like I said, the first time I played this, like, I really liked it. And then the second time, I was like, well, I should get these other endings. And it was much more of a slog, I guess. Yeah, I, really I kind of wish, like, the drinks could have played a bigger impact in the story, maybe. Yeah, it's, it's mm -hmm. like, it's a mechanic. I want it to do something. I don't want it to just be, like, a little, you know, busy work. Like, it felt like busy work a lot of the time. Like, hey... In case you're getting bored, here's something to do now for a little bit. Okay, you did the thing. Now back to the story. Yeah. And it, it's like, you don't it, feel like you're doing anything. And it's it's busy work that really only affects the ease with which you can pay your bills and buy things. I'm sort of fine with that, though. Yeah. Because I, I think, like, the characters are so well written, maybe. Yeah. Maybe it doesn't bother me, or maybe I think it's great, like, have a pulse in the middle of... Well, like I said, I liked having an activity. I just wish that there was more to it. Like, even if it was more... I, not necessarily more challenging. Like, I think it could have been interesting if it was more of a puzzle gamey sort of thing. But, like, more of an influence, more of an effect when I do that. And also some of the, the points at which they take you aside to mix drinks feel really arbitrary. <laughs> As sort of a side note, it's like, we've had exactly like 10 lines of dialogue. I guess I'm just going to order a drink now, even though like, <laughs> why would I pause in the conversation here? Yeah. And the people who order drinks order a lot of drinks. Like they have like three or four drinks over the course of, the co of like a five minute conversation. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's implied that the conversation is longer than Yeah. No, I think that's list. true. But it still feels really weird sometimes. Just like a little awkwardly paced. Not not all of them, but occasionally like the, the timing of mixing drinks feels like 
really weird to me pacing wise yeah I, I think that's one of those things that's sort of it's difficult to convey how much time is passing because each like the game is broken up into you know days and each day you go work a shift so it's like they come in and you're working an entire presumably eight hour shift but it's packed into like you know 15 minutes of gameplay um so it's 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 a little it's a little tight coming in there but yeah but but so so carl you're like you're just totally okay with the the drink mixing mechanic as it stands wouldn't change i mean or it could be more impactful but i i don't feel that it's bad per se and maybe it's just i like the idea of like you're a bartender it's work Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, I sort of, I, I don't disagree with either of you because I, I was completely fine with it the first time I played, um, and then the second time I realized that it would be cool if there was more interaction with the narrative. But, you know, on on its own in a single playthrough, I didn't have a problem with it. Just as as sort of a little aside thing, like yeah, maybe it is just busy work to like keep me from getting too distracted while I read a bunch of text, but it it was effective in serving that end for me, I guess. Yeah, maybe I don't know. Maybe I did not come into it with the proper mindset. Also, <laughs> I could have. I I think I was expecting more mechanics. And yeah. less like a hundred percent visual novel sort of stuff. Yeah, the first time I played it, I was I was also surprised. I was expecting the stakes to be a little higher with my bartending, you know. Um, but yeah, I, I, I mean, of... it's so as a bartending game, so you kind of like yeah. assume you're gonna bartending is gonna be important. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but and it is it... from like a narrative standpoint, but yeah, but mechanically, it's not. <laughs> Um, and I feel, yeah, I, maybe that's because, like, when I heard bartending game, I immediately started thinking of, like, all the cool ways in which you could have bartending mechanics. And then it's, like, disappointing that the bartending, bartending mechanics are not that deep. <laughs> Is a bartending game the next thing you're going to make after you finish Turn Up the Beat? Turn Up the Heat? Or Turn Up, turn up the Heat, yeah, sorry. <laughs> um, maybe. Uh, I mean, actually, no, what I need to, um, what I need to do after Turn Up the Heat is, uh, my version of Emily wants to play. Uh, uh, did I tell you about that? <laughs> so there's a game. If you heard, I don't know if you have either of you heard of Emily wants to play. Yeah, yeah, I've heard of. Okay. I don't know too much about it, but okay. Well, so the the question I ask is like, when you hear that name, Emily wants to play. What do you what do you imagine that game is about? Like based solely on the title. I don't know. <laughs> I, th- I think I've heard this story before, but I'm not going to agree with you because that sounds menacing. <laughs> okay. It, so... I, I kind of agree, actually, that it does sound menacing. Okay. So, <laughs> so yeah. So, when I heard it... So, it is a horror game. Oh, okay. It is a horror game about, like, a girl named, like... Or, like, a ghost of a little girl named Emily or something like that. Um, but I didn't hear menacing when I heard it the first time. I heard Emily wants to play what could that possibly be about? And so I envisioned this whole game where it's like, um, like a, like a small, like, like fairly short, like maybe hour long or less kind of narrative game where you're like, you're playing this, um, 
uh, what do you call those, the games where you, like, pick it up and then put it down and come back to it later? Um, oh, like a, like an idle game? Yeah, something like that. Um, there's there's an actual term that I'm thinking of that I can't remember right yeah. now, but it's not that important. But, you know, one of those um, those periodic games that you, like, you come back to and you do, like, your moves per day and then you go away or whatever. But, like, one of those little strategy games um, where you're, like, collecting resources and building stuff and, like... Um, periodically you like come back to find that like your little sister has been playing the game while you were gone and has like you know made everything pink or like named everything you know like Mr. Flower Pants or you know like done stuff and you would have some like uh, embedded narrative stuff that comes to light about like you know who you are and what your relationship is with your sister or, like over the course of the game and like I like I I came up with all of this and like had like you know I like thought this was going to be amazing and then uh, and then I found out it was just a horror game and I was so disappointed <laughs> and I'm like I ah, I love I your should... idea by the way yeah that's <laughs> yeah, good like, I should just make this that's I really just good make it myself you should make it but call it like Amelia wants to play, play. yeah <laughs> yeah exactly. But anyway, so it may have been kind of a similar problem to this where, like, you know, I had I heard bartending game, and I came up with all this stuff in my head, and I'm like, oh, no, it's just a visual novel. <laughs> like, yeah. okay. Like, I guess that's all right. Surprise visual novel. Yep. But I mean, I, I was actually, I was also kind of surprised. I think I, think I was expecting more puzzly mm-hmm. elements. Um, I know you mentioned maybe making the, the bartending bit more puzzly and I think that's what I was expecting but I don't know I like visual novels and it's like it, it, it turned out to be a visual novel and I was I was I was there for it I was on board like give me give me these people and their lives I want to talk to talk them up talk to everyone it's a good book it's, it's, <laughs> it's, a, it's a good book yeah it's um I don't think I would have liked it as a book is the thing yeah, that's um, probably true. Because it's because it's so episodic, um, but it's the characters are interesting, and I like the tone. I like that it's just kind of it's post-apocalyptic, but it's not about like an apocalyptic, like big stakes end of the world scenario. It's just about like you're trying to pay your rent. You're worried that you're like you're you know the bar is going to close down and you're going to lose your job, and you know you're just like meeting some people and hanging out with them and like that's that's kind of a cool experience um but I somehow like wasn't the story didn't 100% capture me like some of the characters were really fun and entertaining but I guess it just wasn't my normal kind of narrative Yeah, and so I, I couldn't get fully into it unfortunately yeah that's fair I love the fact that like everyone is the main character besides you <laughs> Everyone's going out and doing interesting things and having weird stories, and you're just like hanging out and tending bar. Yeah, I mean, I guess it goes along with the idea that like everyone's everyone's the main character of their own life. So, um, also, I feel really remiss about having gone this whole what hour hour and a half by my recording and having not said a single goddamn word about the art, <laughs> which. The art's so good. The art is the reason that I wanted to play this game, actually. Um, like, I saw it and was like, yes, that looks good. Gimme. I mean, it's just sort of like, 
anime pixel art, pretty yeah, much. It, it it sort of harkens back to like DOS era uh, visual novels, which are basically that anime pixel art. So did uh, did did visual novels exist in the DOS era? Was that a thing? Yeah, there wow. there there are like dating sims for dating sims for days. Um, yeah. <laughs> I guess it would have been an easy sort of thing to make in a, at a time like that because it's not exactly like processor or oh someone's calling me. Oh, <laughs> I'm gonna turn that off. Okay. Um, the uh, it's an unknown number and I don't answer unknown numbers when I'm doing other things. Same. Um, because ninety ninety five percent of the time it's just a uh, like a spam call. Yeah. Um, so yeah, no the. It wouldn't have been that hard, I guess, to make uh, visual novels as compared to other games because it's just text and text is really like small and easy to store. Mm-hmm. So, no, not a lot of complex physics to worry about that kind of thing. Yeah. So, I don't know. I, I appreciated that because I I really like pixel art and it's really good pixel art. So, so there's that. Yeah, the art's good. <laughs> I guess I did, I guess I didn't have that much to say about art, but I, f- I would have felt bad if I hadn't mentioned it at all. Yeah. So there's, I, <laughs> there's that. Not, I I didn't like I had no problems with the art, but it didn't particularly stand out to me compared to some of the other games we've played as like for its art style. Yeah, uh, it's not. I mean, it's not really distinctive stylistically, um, but man, pixel art. I mean, pixel art takes a long time to do, and it's hard to make it look good. So. <laughs> I can. I will appreciate it for that. I have a question. Yes. Mm-hmm. How many times did you change the music in the jukebox? Because <laughs> I I did it once, and then I never did it again. Uh, I did it like the first couple days, and then I just stopped. I I did it. There's an achievement you can get for filling your entire playlist with a single song. Yeah, I did that one. Yeah, I did that. Like the what, first what time song? I. Uh, I think I did uh, Base of the Titans, which it's, I don't know, I can't really describe it, but it's got a good intro. Um, yeah, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna try to describe the song, because I'm not really, I'm not really a music person. Um, go listen to it, it's probably on YouTube. Um, but, you know, for a while I would change it up, but then eventually I was just like, I don't care that much, so. Especially because, you know, on, on... On a second playthrough, I was, you know, I, like, had Netflix up in another window and yeah. other other things go, like, listening to my own music, so. so There was one of them that I played, um, and now I can't remember what it was called, uh, that sounds almost exactly like, or I actually don't even remember if it does, but it reminded me of the... Um, the Steel Samurai theme from the Phoenix Wright games. Mm. <laughs> I don't uh, remember how that song goes. Like, I know what you're talking about, but I don't remember what the song sounds like. Neon something was the, the track, I think. Um, uh, the one I played over and over that I just filled uh, my jukebox with and that I always had as my first song for a long time was Digital Drive. Um which is just kind of like a like a pumping synthy sort of thing, and I'm like, yeah, get pumped up. <laughs> that's, that's what you need. Is it like Neon District or something like that? That sounds right. 
I'm like trying to. Yeah, Neon there's District. Like... Okay. Or, um... or at least I see there's a song called that. So. Yeah, it's not quite the same as the the Steel Samurai opening, but dang, does it remind me of it. Also, I'll uh, I'll, I'll post um I'll give you the links, and that way you can like post them side by side, and people can listen to them. Also, apparently, uh, in in service of the game, probably prior to the game's release, they uh they set up a website as the Augmented Eye, so it's just like. And clickbait news stories and things like that that are <laughs> related to Glitch City. Nice. That's funny. It's also sort of interesting for me because um, the uh, the studio that my friend Teddy used to work in, the like game game co working space mm-hmm. in LA, is called Glitch City. <laughs> <laughs> So it was sort of like every time people said that, I'm like, wait. Huh? <laughs> That's funny. Hmm. Well, Anywho, uh, I don't know if anything else to say about it. It's uh, it's kind of it's moody. It's interesting, like the first time because the the characters are interesting and their stories are interesting. Um, but you should go in. Like knowing that it is a visual novel and prepared to treat it like a visual novel. Yeah. yeah. Unless unless you are into surprise visual novels where you're not expecting them, in which case, and don't, and yeah, don't buy stuff in the shop unless you absolutely need to. Yeah. Uh, you can you can do a new game plus mode, which I didn't. I forgot to start my second playthrough as new game plus, which when you do that, it carries over all of the things that you've bought. Which, it carries over all the things you bought and your money. Um, So, I guess that just makes it easier to win the game because you don't have to buy as much stuff. Yep. Um, So, I, I like, bought everything when I had spare money. Oh, no. (laughs) And they go, like, now you have four days to get 10,000. Yeah. And I was like, I guess I have the bad ending. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. That's good. That's how you got bad end. (laughs) Yeah. So, don't, be careful with your money. Yeah. Be cautious. Life lessons. Not not just video game lessons. Also yep. life lessons. Um yep. Yeah, there you go. There's there's VA eleven Hall A. Yep. Slash Valhalla, if you want to call it that. We played it. We we enjoyed it well enough. I enjoyed it. Yeah. I think we I, think I would we like to read it. I would like to read more things in post apocalyptic scenarios that don't deal with the, the post-apocalypse itself, but just deal with, like, regular people. Yeah, I mean, it, it made me it made me intrigued and gave me at least some amount of a desire to play read-only memories uh, in the sequel. Post-apocalypse is the wrong word, because it's not post-apocalyptic. It's just dystopian. Yeah, it's just a dystopia, I guess. Um, so, you know, maybe, at, at least read-only memories is on my radar now, which it was not at all before. Uh, so that's... That's what is cool. That, what is that mechanically? I think it's a point-and-click adventure game. Okay. If if uh, I think recently, um, Bill Bill and Maria played it on on their wow. stream uh, at one point not too long ago. So that's probably okay. somewhere on the internet. 
if if they archived it. I don't know if they archived. Yeah, I don't things. know if they're archiving sort of people. Yeah. Um, go store, um, and search. Read only memories. I think a, a second second read only memories also came out relatively recently, or it's twenty sixty four. Yeah. It yeah. came out in 2064. <laughs> no, I mean, there's yeah. a game called Read Only Memories 2064. Yeah, I think that's so. the sequel. Hmm. Nothing other than that shows up, though, so I don't know. Hmm. I don't know. I guess so. Yeah, not that important. We can look it up later in case we decide to do this at a later time. Um, but it does look like a point-and-click adventure based on the screenshots anyway. Yeah. So, there's that. Uh, I guess we should talk about our next game. Yeah, intro the next game. Intro in the next game. The next game is the game that we've been talking about forever, and it's finally out. We're playing Night in the Woods. Yes! Yes! I will will fully admit uh, I I marathoned a playthrough of it like the day it came out. So. Oh, have you already finished it? Yep. I I, I kind of played like a shitload of it, but then I had like school stuff. Yeah. So I played yeah. a bit more. It it came out on a Tuesday, so I had a, like an afternoon class, and then I had Wednesday off, so I just didn't do anything else. Which is it's not it's not a terribly long game. Um, no, anyway. It's like... I think I looked it up and it's like between they said like 6 to 12 hours depending on how completionist you are. Yeah. Um, um so that's that's definitely doable. Um anyway, Night Night in the Woods. Night in the Woods yes. just came out. It is a I guess it's like a it's a it, I mean it's it's an adventure game, yeah. but it's the mechanics are less point and click and more platformy. Um yeah. and it you play as a cat named May, and she's 20, and she's just dropped out of college, just dropped out of her sophomore year of college, uh, and gone back to her small hometown, and basically, just yeah, just play it, but, you know, it's as, it's about... As, uh, as someone who grew up in a uh, small New England town, yeah, I can tell you the feeling of, like, going back, and it's like just like a shithole where, like, everybody's struggling to, like, make things work very accurate. Yeah, like, like it That's yeah. what it's like to come it, home to. A I small I agree. Town. It like my hometown is maybe a little bigger than Possum Springs, but it still feels like a shithole when you go yeah. back. Um, and yeah, it's 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 a good game made by good people. Uh go yeah, play it. It's been kickstarted like 3 years ago now, something yep. like that. Yep. Which is actually not, like, an unreasonable dev time for... No, not at all. ...with a small team. Um, I mean, so yeah, I'm most of it was done by, like, I, three people, so... Yeah, I, I kick-started the original project back in the day, so I'm, like, Same. super excited that it's actually out now. Same! So, yeah, I've been I've been eagerly awaiting this for a long, long time, and... Boy, boy howdy. <laughs> so, yeah. It- nice when you like fund something and then it actually like becomes a real thing and it's good and you're like well good I did a th- you know I made a th- I helped make a thing exist in the world that yeah. is good yeah it's it's a good feeling like the the last game that I kickstarted that came out was um Ghost of a Tale which is like a like a 
I, don't, I mean, basically, it's an RPG where you play as a little mouse in it. It's sort of described as like Dark Souls, but with mice and rats and stuff. But it's I don't know. Dark it's Souls, it's not Dark really Souls meets Redwall. Yeah, it's it's not really Dark Souls though. It's it's a lot more Redwall than than Dark Souls. I think I think actually they took out the combat mechanics entirely. But that came out. But it came yeah. out to like early access. So I played the first level that was available, and I'm like, I'm just going to put it away until it's finally done. But that was good. But I wish it would have come out completely. But, you know, that's fine. I just... Maybe, maybe when it does, we'll, uh, we'll play it for the, the podcast. I, th- I think we... Yeah, I think that would be a good choice. It's, ugh, it's pretty. It's very pretty. But that's nice. not what we're playing. We're playing Night in the Woods. We're playing I'm Night getting, in the Woods. I'm getting sidetracked. Yeah, no. My my two my two games that I've ever kickstarted were well, two digital games that I've ever kickstarted were Night in the Woods and Hyperlight Drifter. Ah. So if Night in the Woods is as good as Hyperlight Drifter, then I am I am two for two. God, what else <laughs> what else have I kickstarted? I didn't kickstart Dropsy because I missed that one. But I did kickstart um Hypnospace Outlaw, which is the next game that Jay Tolan is making. Which looks cool. Um, right, but yeah. for now we're playing. <laughs> for Night now, for yeah. now we're gonna stop getting distracted about Kickstarter games, and we're gonna f- tell you to play Night in the Woods again. Play Night in the Woods. Yep. Play if you it. haven't already, if you haven't already, apparently a lot of people already have. Yeah. Play it, and then come come talk with us about it, because uh, we're we're gonna be recording, and we're all pumped to discuss it. Super I have pumped. not I have not finished it yet, but I have actually already started it. So yeah. The siren song is too tempting. <laughs> well, it was all over my Twitter. It's like every Twitter post the day it came out was about Night in the Woods, and I'm like, ugh, I have to play it so it doesn't get spoiled. Yep, the hype was strong. Yep. So, anyway, that's that's it. Uh, I I guess we'll plug stuff. I'm Kelso. Hello. I do this that you're listening to, uh, and I have a Twitter at Kelso Time Bomb. Sometimes I stream, but I don't. I probably won't stream. Well, you you've been doing some art streams. Right? I've been doing some art streams. I did some art streams for a couple of weeks, but I don't really have any plans on doing any more, like immediately. So, but you know, if I do, I'll say it on Twitter. I'm sorry, I missed it. I'm not. I'm often unavailable on Friday nights. Oh but... yeah, no, it's fine. <laughs> I don't. I am curious to watch you draw things. Ooh, well, I mean, they're still they're still. I'm not gonna like export them or highlight them or anything, but they're still on there. So okay. if you uh, if you catch them before before Twitch disappears, them there you go. <laughs> All right. Um, I am Kyla. I am at Kyla underscore Go on Twitter, uh, where you can follow me to see my streaming schedule among other things. Uh, I usually stream Sunday mornings at 10 p.m. or 10 a.m. Pacific. 10 a.m. Pacific, and uh, I have been streaming Wind Waker and enjoying the heck out of it. It's a fun game. It is. So people should come watch. Yep. I've been having a very fun time doing very little because it's so much fun to just wander around and discover islands and yeah. like navigation in that game. It's great. I love. I love being able to just meander. Yeah, and that's a. Uh, that's sort of part and parcel of this stream is it's a stream where I play games that are like too too long to stream well so <laughs> I, I stream the unstreamable games yep that's me 
We do about the game. is such theater. a good game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm like I said, enjoying it a lot so far. So. Yeah. Anywho, that's me. Oh yeah, I'm <laughs> at Skug Three on Twitters. Yeah. Yay! Yay! We look did it. For his, look for his crazy, fantastic board games after he finishes this semester's class. Yeah. Ooh, oh, that's God. exciting. Your yep, classes are is... so much more interesting than mine. <laughs> in in our board game class, we made a game about um, being a diplomat on an alien planet where you had to, like, there was two stages, and in the first stage, you, like, sneaked around with a stealth robot to try and learn about the alien culture without being observed, so that in the second stage, which was, like, a diplomatic dinner, uh, you could, like, not completely embarrass yourself and, like, <laughs> not say super offensive things Oh, that's dinner. that's good. I think I don't think my school even does, like, tabletop games as... As an intro to game design, which seems like an oversight, but my school is also very, like, you gotta learn, gotta learn how to 3D model. Yeah. Fuck everything else. I mean, we also, also from that, that class was the origin of the original Space Wolves. Yeah. uh, Upon which the tower defense was based. Um, It was, first it was a a, uh, board game with, like, sliding tiles. Where you like tried not to get eaten by space wolves that were chasing you. That's a good thing to try not to do. Yep. <sighs> Anywho. Anywho. Yeah. We will see you in two weeks. We will talk about Night in the Woods. It'll be great. Thanks ha- for joining us. Yeah. Yeah. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye.